Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with. The Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the villages of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Verses 1 through 20, Luke chapter 2. Father, thank you once again for the wonderful, the powerful, the glory-filled, light-filled, and grace-filled stories, accounts of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming into the world. Thank you for these beautiful narratives as found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. But Lord, thank you for not only the beauty and the glory in these powerful accounts. But thank you for the salvation, the grace, the encouragement, the edification, the revival, the renewal that is ours as we make time to spend time with you one-on-one throughout the Christmas season, reading and meditating, thinking on your word and listening to what your Holy Spirit would say to us. Lord, help us to be wise enough to make time, to spend much time reading and meditating on these wonderful and blessed accounts of your coming. And thank you, Lord, for the many new messages that you will speak to us as we simply take time to read and meditate on these messages within your word, 
which sometimes in our minds we think we know, but we really don't know. There's so much more you want to say to us, minister to us, and help us to better understand about who you are and what you came to do. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for these moments, and I ask that you'd speak to our hearts even now. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and for the Christmas season, that you would come down in the form of a man to love us while we were still sinners. Father, thank you so much that you would come and be such a wonderful example, that you came to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, to tend to the needy. And uh, thank you, Father, for for singling us out as individuals and not just shepherding us as like a, a flock, as a giant group. Father, thank you for loving us individually. Um, Father, I ask that you'd speak to us through these Christmas stories and through this Christmas time. Father, I ask that we'd get to know you more and more every day. In your holy name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. I want to remind you once again, if you haven't gotten a copy of the uh, the article entitled <clears throat> uh, Celebrate a Biblical Christmas, uh, we invite you to email us to get a copy. Again, it's a an article that reminds you about the importance of taking the time with your family to read through the Christmas narratives several times, not just once or twice, because remember, in your mind, you may think, oh, I know the Christmas story. No, you don't, and neither do I. There's so much more the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and help us to better understand about the wonderful and the powerful accounts that are found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. So my, our encouragement and our challenge to you is take the time with your family to read through them, not just once or twice, but several times throughout the Christmas season. And see, don't you learn some things about Christmas that you and your family did not know. We're very blessed and honored to have with us once again, Pastor Jerry Lawson. He's the pastor of Enon Cumberland Presbyterian Church in the Ackerman, Mississippi community. And he's here to share with us about one of the wonderful tools that AFA provides for the work of evangelism and discipleship called the AFA Christmas Buttons. Pastor Lawson, how are you today? If I was doing any better, I'd be in heaven with Jesus right now. Amen, amen. Yes, sir. Well, always good to have you. If you'll take a moment to maybe further introduce yourself, and then we want to talk about why it's a wise thing for us to use tools like AFA Christmas buttons to be witnesses during the Christmas season. Well, Jesus called me and convicted me and converted me and companioned me and will complete me when I was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. At 14, he called me into the ministry, and I entered the pulpit when I was 14 years of age. And uh, I sure wish the Lord would give me a chance to go back to those early churches and redeem myself. (laughs) Uh, But uh, this is my 57th year. In the ministry, Mm. we have pastored four churches during that 57 years, and currently at Enon, uh, December the 24th, we will complete 26 years there uh, pastoring that church. Mm. Well, again, always a blessing to have you to come, and uh, I want you to share why or as best you can, how you feel like, why you feel like the Lord put it on your heart to to have a passion and a grace about taking a wonderful tool like the AFA Christmas button. And let me just say this about the buttons there. 
available in packs of 10 for $8. And uh, there are AFA Christmas buttons that AFA provides each Christmas. But the green Christmas button says, Jesus, our living hope, Merry Christmas. The red Christmas button says, Jesus, he came for you, Merry Christmas, and shows a picture of a baby in a manger. And the green wristband says, keep Christ in Christmas. All of them are great tools, though. But would you share why it's on your heart to encourage others to to use them and encourage others to do so as well? Well, I was raised in a Christian home and uh, raised in a Christian neighborhood, raised in a community where on Sunday— Everything shut down. And probably 80% of the community went to church. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you needed groceries or grass, you better get it on Saturday because you (laughs) weren't going to get it in my community on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so Christ has always been an integral part of my life. Uh, From the time that uh, I started attending church, I went 12 years without missing a Sunday in church. Mm Mm-hmm. The first Sunday I missed, I was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, in basic training. (laughs) And uh, the next Sunday, they excused me to go to chapel, and I was certainly there. But Christ has always been an integral part of my life. He's been my inspiration, and he's kept me. He's protected me. I mean, the uh, promise that God made to Abraham, uh, I'll be present with you. I'll protect you. I'll prosper you. I see that in my life. And so uh, I want my life to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And it hasn't always been. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the further I walk into the sunset of life, the more I want to make an impact for my Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2006, there was this battle going on. We've got to take Christ out of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that just, I mean... I guess, aggravated me. Mm-hmm. And then Don Wileman comes along with these Christmas buttons, and the Lord's Spirit just identified with my spirit, and he was like, Jerry, you need to get involved in this. And it has been a blessed journey for me since mm-hmm. 06. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wonderful people I've met, the encounters, uh, every day during the Advent season is just a new day to witness for the Lord and to be blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Pastor Lawson, I think of this, that uh, on the one hand, one might say, well, what's the big deal with a Christmas button? But the reality is so many things we say or do or may give away or even wear like a button, it's a seed. It's a seed in the life of a person when they maybe glance and they see that and they see the name Jesus on the button and they see he came for you or whatever the message might be. It's a seed that reminds them and points them to Jesus Christ. And, you know, I think of this. Just like the wise men, God used them to point people to the Christ way back then, and he's still using them today. And our job is to be available vessels through which he can work to point people to Jesus Christ today, too. And the buttons and the wristbands are just simply a tool to help us do that more effectively. Joseph, yesterday I had a person come up to me. I did not know him. And he showed me a button I gave him 10 years ago. (laughs) He remembered me, and Mm -hmm. he remembered that button. Mm -hmm. And understand, I passed out an awful lot of buttons since 06. Mm -hmm. And especially during the Christmas season, Mm -hmm. uh, 
there's not too many places I can go uh, here in the South that uh, there are people that know who I am. Because you gave them the buttons. Because I gave them a button. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember them. And that's an awesome responsibility because I never know what eyes are upon me. And uh, it forces you to ask the Lord to help you live that consistent life for Him and express His love to others. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the wearing of a Christmas button is a simple task, but it's a wise way, again, once again, to be a faithful witness. And let me share with you, if you're a listener and you're wanting to get uh, some of the AFA Christmas buttons, again, they come in packs of 10 for $8 a pack. Visit resources.afa.net for more information. Again, it's resources.afa.net for more information. Don't forget that you try to early order as early as you can. Uh, because in order for you to get them on time, you need to try to order them early. But again, go to resources.afa.net to order, again, a pack of 10 for $8. And so, uh, Pastor Lawson, I think it's, it's, a, it's a tool a child could wear as well as adults. And again, some people call them conversation starters, but they're more than that. They're, again, a seed that can remind people that Jesus is what life is all about. I want to ask if you'll just say a brief word of prayer for our listeners that they would really seek to be faithful witnesses this Christmas season. Heavenly Father, I realize each day there's so much brokenness in our world. And people are looking for a light. So many, especially in the church, have put their light under a bushel basket. If you put it on a lampstand... Satan's going to do everything he can to blow it out. But as he tries to blow it out, Father, you bring the brokenness that's in our community to us. And through a consistent life, they see the light, and, Father, they're drawn to it. And we need to be witnesses today for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back.
music of Forever Jones with Gloria. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel, chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. Now the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor-bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor-bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. So Saul, his three sons, his armor-bearer, and his troops all died together that same day. When the Israelites on the other side of the Jezreel Valley and beyond the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their towns and fled. So the Philistines moved in and occupied their towns. The next day, when the Philistines went up to strip the dead, they found the bodies of Saul and his three sons on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off Saul's head and stripped off his armor. Then they proclaimed the good news of Saul's death in their pagan temple and to the people throughout the land of Philistia. They placed his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths, and they fastened his body to the wall of the city of Beth-shan. But when the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their mighty warriors traveled through the night to Beth-shan and took the bodies of Saul and his sons down from the wall. They brought them to Jabesh, where they burned the bodies. Then they took their bones and buried them beneath the tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted for seven days. End of the book of 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. If he had torn his clothes and put dirt, excuse me, he had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from? David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened? David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, Our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan also are dead. How do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? David demanded of the young man. The man answered, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. 
When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked him. He responded, Who are you? I am an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, Come over here and put out, come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David, for I knew that he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his and his armband, and I brought them here to you, my lord. David and his men tore their clothes in in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, Where are you from? And he replied, I am a foreigner, an Amalekite, who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? David asked. Then David said to one of his men, Kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, and he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the Song of the Bow, and it is recorded in the book of Jeshar. Your pride and joy, O Israel, lies dead on the hills. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Don't announce the news in Gath. Don't proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon. Or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, and the pagans will laugh in triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fruitful fields producing offsprings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty heroes was defiled. The shield of Saul will, will no longer be anointed with oil. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did its mighty work. They shed the blood of their enemies and pierced the bodies of mighty heroes. How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and in death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O women of Israel, weep for Saul, for he dressed you in luxurious scarlet clothing, in garments decorated with gold. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you, and your love for me was deep deeper than the love of women. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Stripped of their weapons, they lie dead. 2 Samuel chapter 2 After this, David asked the Lord, Should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied. Then David asked, Which town should I go to? To Hebron, the Lord answered. David's two wives were Ahinoam 
from Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. So David and his wives and his men and their families all moved to Judah, and they settled in the villages near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. Then when David heard that the men of Jabesh-Gilead had buried Saul, he sent them this message. May the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. May the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love. And I too will reward you for what you have done. Now that Saul is dead, I ask you to be my strong and loyal subjects like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their new king. But Abner son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had already gone to Mahanaim with Saul's son Ishbosheth. There he proclaimed Ishbosheth king over Gilead, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, and the land of the Asherites and all the rest of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king, and he ruled for Mahanaim for two years. Meanwhile, the people of Judah remained loyal to David. David made Hebron his capital, and he ruled as king of Judah for seven and a half years. One day, Abner led Ishbosheth's troops from Mahanaim to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruiah, son, excuse me, Joab, son of Zeruiah, led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. The two groups sat down there, facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggested to Joab, Let's have a few of our warriors fight hand-to-hand here in front of us. All right, Joab agreed. So 12 men were chosen from so 12 men were chosen to fight from each side. 12 men of Benjamin representing Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and 12 representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other side so that all of them died. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the Field of Swords. A fierce battle followed that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. Joab, Abishai, and Asahel, the three sons of Zeruiah, were among David's forces that day. Asahel could run like a gazelle, and he began chasing Abner. He pursued him relentlessly, not stopping for anything. When Abner looked back and saw him coming, he called out, Is that you, Asahel? Yes, it is, he replied. Go fight someone else, Abner warned. Take on one of the younger men and strip him of his weapons. And strip him of his weapons. But Asahel kept right on chasing Abner. Again, Abner shouted to him, Get away from here. I don't want to kill you. How could I ever face your brother Joab again? But Asahel refused to turn back. So Abner thrust the butt end of his spear through Asahel's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He stumbled to the ground and died there. 
And everyone who came by that spot stopped and stood still when they saw Asahel lying there. When Joab and Abishai found out what had happened, they set out after Abner. The sun was going down as they arrived at the hill of of Amah near Gaia, along the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's troops from the tribe of Benjamin regrouped there at the top of the hill to take a stand. Abner shouted down to Joab, Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Then Joab said, God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken, for we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. All that night, Abner and his men retreated through the Jordan Valley. They crossed the Jordan River, traveling all through the morning, and didn't stop until they arrived at Mahanaim. Meanwhile, Joab and his men also returned home. When Joab counted his casualties, he discovered that only 19 men were missing in addition to Asahel. But 360 of Abner's men had been killed, all from the tribe of Benjamin. Joab and his men took Asahel's body to Bethlehem and buried him there in his father's tomb. Then they traveled all night and reached Hebron at daybreak. End of 2 Samuel chapter 2. Thank you, Father, again for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to read and meditate on your word. And thank you for the gift, the many ways our lives are blessed, enriched, nourished, and empowered as we spend time one-on-one with you, reading and meditating on your word. Father, anoint us all afresh with the spirit of grace that would encourage us to make it a high priority in our lives, to spend time with you one-on-one as we spend time every day reading and meditating on your word. And help us, Lord, to be diligent as parents to help our children to read out loud to us every day so that they too will be blessed, edified, and encouraged by the wonderful nourishment and grace that flows in their hearts and their minds through your wonderful word. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the word of God. We'll be right back.
music of BB and CC Winans with Silent Night. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Again, Romans chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. And it tells us these words. I commend you to, excuse me, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ, Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the, uh, among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves. And give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, They deceive innocent people, but everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. 
I, Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too, as one of the Lord's followers. Gaius also, excuse me, Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as host to the whole church. Erastus, the city treasurer, sends you his greetings, and so does our brother Quartus. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they, too, might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. End of the book of Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you peace, give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way. With all of you, excuse me, with all of your eloquent words and all your knowledge, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to this end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. 
For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world consider considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus, for our benefit, for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Verses 1 through 31, all of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Father, for all those that we've lifted up in prayer today. Thank you for all these that are a part of our listening family today. We thank you and praise you for us all. Lord, today we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and so we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Today we say of the Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, our God, and you do we trust. Surely you deliver us from the fowler snare and from the noisome pestilence. You cover us with your feathers and under your wings do we trust. Your truth is our shield and buckler. And so we are not afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked, because we have made the Lord our refuge, even the most high habitation. No evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you give your angels charge over us to keep us all our ways. 
They bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. We trample underfoot because we have set our love upon you. Therefore, you deliver us. You set us on high because we have known your name. We call upon you and you answer us. You are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. With long life, you satisfy us and show us your salvation. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. As we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a great day to make that step. If you want to receive Christ and be saved today, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with us now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. You said in your word, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect, connect, be in touch with you. My email, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please email us. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope to hear from you once again that email, joseph at afr.net. And if you'd like to receive some of the AFA Christmas buttons, Again, simply go to resources.afa.net for more information. You can get a pack of 10 for $8. Again, that's a pack of 10 Christmas buttons for $8. Again, go to resources.afa.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.